Welcome to Reconciled Church Miami, Pastor Aldo Leon. For those of you who haven't, weren't here last week, uh, I would say please hear last week's message, um, because last week's message is very essential to this week's message. Um, so we were talking last week about how we seek our kids in the church. How do we view children in the church? And we said that to answer that question, we need to not just read uh, the New Testament, but we need to read the whole Bible to understand how we see our kids now as New Testament believers. And we also said, oh, I got to get my timer on so I don't preach for two hours. <laughs> we also said that in order for us to understand how we view our kids, we need to understand God's signs in the Bible. It was in the Old Testament, it was circumcision. In the New Testament, it was baptism. And so we established, firstly, in our message that our children are members of the church community before they believe. They are visible members of the church before they believe. Doesn't mean they're saved, doesn't mean that they are have some sort of extra measure of grace because they're part of the church before they believe. It just means that God has always seen our children to be part of the church as soon as they are born into a believing family. And because they are seen by God as part of the visible covenant community, they receive the signs of the community. So this message is a so what message. So who cares about this particular issue? Why does it matter? So if we don't baptize kids because it saves them or because, because they are saved, uh, why, why, why administer this sign of God's grace to them? Do we do it because they're, they're cute and cuddly and it makes us feel warm and fuzzy? Oh, my kids. It's not about salvation. Why? What does this matter? It's not a matter, it, it, you know, why, why, why do this? And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my pitch as to what is the ultimate significance of our kids being part of the church and being given the sign of God's promises as soon as they come into this thing, okay? So, and then I will baptize, hopefully, my son if he doesn't run out of here, <laughs> terrified. My daughter is so scared that she is not going to do it. So hopefully when she sees it, she'll, uh, she'll get the courage. So listen, why, why, why do we... What does it matter to see our kids as members and to receive this sign of God's promise? First, first point if you're taking notes, it shows what membership, church membership overall stands on. And that is an outside of us promise. What membership overall is about an outside of us promise. Genesis 17, 7 says, I will keep my covenant between me and you and your future offering throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be a god to you and your offspring. So the membership have promises to believers and their kids that are about basically God's commitments to his people. And let me give you an illustration that may help. An American baby, an American adult, they all have the same privileges as an American, correct? Basically. And why do they have those privileges? because of what other people did a long time ago to make this country what it is. So they have privileges, not because of 
the child being a certain way or the adult being a certain way, they have privileges simply because they have been born into a place that has these privileges because of what other people did. So, beloved, why administer a sign of God's promises to a child that can really do nothing at all? It's because it's a picture of what the whole church is like. And the whole church is basically a group of people who've never done anything right to get their salvation. The only reason they're a part of the church is because God has made promises to save sinners, not because of sinners. And so the believer's child becomes somewhat of a picture of the whole church. It's like, they, they don't do anything. They haven't done anything. They haven't accomplished anything. Why? Do they get to be, why do they get to be a part of this membership? Well, it just tells us something very clearly about what church membership is about overall. We're all a part of this thing. Why? Not because we've done anything special, but because God promises to save sinners by virtue of what he does. And so when we administer a sign to people who literally can't do anything, I mean, kids can't do anything until they get to be like, what, seven, eight? is because it's a picture of what the whole church is. It's a, it, we are a community that is based on a God promising to do things for people that can't do anything for themselves. And so this whole picture of, 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 of children being brought into the covenant community before they do anything is a picture about what our whole church is about. We're a bunch of kids who can't do anything before God. So first... It shows what overall membership is about, God's promises to people who can't do anything. Secondly, it's, it shows what salvation overall depends on, sovereign grace. I'm going to read Romans 9, 11, jump around the Bible a bit. And not only that, but Rebekah received a promise when she became pregnant by one man, our ancestor Isaac. For though her sons had not been born yet or had done anything good or bad so that God's purpose according to election might stand... Not from works, but from the one who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. So basically, God says in Romans that he saved He saved Isaac, not because of anything Isaac would do. Isaac was saved because God chose to save him, not because of his choice. It's very clear in the text. And so here's, here's a question. People say, why administer a sign to somebody before they choose to do what they're supposed to do? Because the way God interacts with our kids in the church is really just a picture of the whole church in the sense that, you know why you know we're all Christians, beloved? We're all Christians because God chose to do something irrespective of our choice. Nobody in here woke up one day and said, I think it'd be a really good idea to be a Christian by myself. We all are disobedient, rebellious, stubborn people who just don't want God. But because God saves sinners all by grace. And God says to sinners, I own them. I own them before they own me. As a matter of fact, it says before the foundation of the world, God said to us in our stubborn rebelliousness, I own them before they will ever own me, and because of that, we are saved. And so the reason, it's amazing because administering the sign of God's promises to some child before faith really just tells us the whole hope of this whole church. 
The only hope that our kids have to be saved is not that they would one day think it's a good idea to decide for Christ. Because you know what? They won't. It says in Romans 3, there is none who seeks after God, no, not one. Our kids are not the exception. But because God has chosen to save and conquer rebellious sinners, our children have hope. And so administering a sign before they can choose shows us that their only hope is that God would choose them. Does that make sense? (laughs) The hope of this church is not that we would kind of be receptive to God, but that God would conquer us by the power of the Holy Spirit giving us new hearts. And so it becomes a picture of that. And beloved, let me me say how this changes your parenting. You know how we want to parent our kids? We want to act like we can kind of control them and tweak them and manipulate them so that they can be good Christians, right? And we have all this fear and manipulation. But if God is the only one who can save children, then it's not your job, precious parents, to strangle your kids to be Christians. It's your job to trust that God is the only one that can make your kids actual Christians and move them from being members of the visible community to the invisible community. And so what you have to do is just love your kids Preach the gospel to your kids and live before your kids and not think that you have some sort of power to make your kids have a nice destiny in the future. So it shows that salvation overall depends on God's sovereign grace. Third point, what does this matter? It shows what's most important about the child. What's most important about this child, your children, is the life of Christ, not their life. Colossians 2.11, it talks about circumcision and baptism, both the signs of God's work Old Testament, New Testament. Look, it says, You were circumcised in him with the circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. So circumcision was about the work of Christ on the cross. And then he moves to baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. So why initiate, why mark our kids with a sign that points to the work of Christ at the beginning of their lives. Isn't that very interesting? Well, I I think it it really does set a tone because I, I think we think like this. We think what's most important about my kids is their personality, right? What's most important about my kids is how smart they are, how athletic they are, how skilled they are, um, what, what SAT score they will get, right? Isn't that how you think? You think that the most, the most important thing about your kids is what? Things that are in your kids. But what being marked by the sign of Christ means that what's most important about your kids, beloved, is not what you can get out of your kids, but what is in Jesus Christ for your kids. What's most important about your kids is not what you can get out of your kids, but it is what in Jesus Christ for your kids. So I think we think that it's almost like we think it's our job to do everything possible to get fruits out of our kids. It's kind of like we look at our kids kind of like a, like a fruit tree, and we just start screaming at the fruit tree and saying, bear fruits, bear fruits, 
bear fruits, bear fruits, bear fruits. And so we think that the hope of us is just, let's get some good stuff out of our kids. But if, if, if what's most important about our kids is not what comes out of them, but what Christ did for sinners, then what we need to do is not try to get stuff out of our kids, but put gospel into our kids. So what do you do to plants? You water them. You give them sunlight so that they have the things necessary for what? So our job is not to, to try to get all these great things out of our kids based on their personality, skills, and achievements. You know, what do you do, parents? You, you want to make your kids be all these great things so you could live yourself through them, right? Make them be great athletes, great students, great people so that you can kind of live through them. And what, what this is saying, look, if your kids are marked by a sign of God's promises that, about Christ's works, then guess what? What's most important about your kids is not what is in them, but is what is in Jesus Christ for them. And so your job is to get Christ into them, not try to get things out of them. Does that make sense? And that's why it starts, that's why, you know, parenting starts the way it does with the sign that way. And, 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 and this says something to, to about all of us, beloved. Christianity, the church is not how God can get great things out of great people. You know, I feel like, I feel like in Miami, like the idea is that church is a place where, where uh, God has all these little heroes who have all these great stories about all these great things they do. But beloved, listen, you know what a church is? A church is a bunch of people who have a great Savior a great Jesus, a great Christ who is their hope and he puts his good stuff in them and that is the church. That's the church membership. So what's most important about the child is the life of Christ. Fourth significance of this thing. You know what? I think I might actually like have a 40-minute sermon today. What do you think? Think it's possible? No? Rebecca said no? Through Christ. (laughs) It shows the reality, fifthly, it shows the reality for children and people in general that we're guilty sinners. Don't get uncomfortable. I love you. That's why I got to tell you the truth. Look at Ephesians 2, 3 says, We all too previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others are also. Did you hear that? We were by nature what? Children under wrath. Man, that sounds pretty serious, right? So why, what does baptism point to? Baptism points to the fact that we are bad people who need to be saved by Christ dying for our sins, right? Baptism is a sign that the waters of God's judgment have been placed not on the sinner, but on Christ. And so the hope of the sinner is that he's so filthy and so corrupt and so broken that he needs to be washed by the blood of Christ, which washes away all of their sins, past, present, and future, because Jesus Christ was crushed for all of their sins, past, present, and future. And so baptism is a sign that we're guilty sinners who need to be washed. (laughs) So check this out. Why... Why would God choose either in the Old Testament circumcision or the New Testament baptism 
to mark your kids with a sign that their guilty sinners need to be washed by the blood of Christ. Because they're not little innocent kids, correct? Otherwise, why would God say mark them by a sign that, they, that says that they are so fragmented and corrupt that they must be washed by the blood of a rescuer? Beloved, our kids, they're cute and they're cuddly and all that, but they are evil and guilty and need to be saved. And that's why God sets the pace of parenting to be marked by a sign that says these kids need a radical redemption. They don't need lots of self-esteem. You know, we think, what, what, what do our kids need most? They need to be, they need lots of self-esteem. No, beloved, our kids don't need self-esteem most. You know what they need? They need to realize that the best things they could ever do are bad, and they need to esteem Christ for them who obeys in the place of them and dies for their badness. Our kids are not little innocent people who need to be told how great they are. You know how, you know, look, I love you parents, but you guys spend so much time telling your kids they don't need Jesus by telling them how great and innocent and how wonderful they are. But beloved, the, the sign of God's cleansing graces says very clearly to the church that these kids need to be rescued by Christ being a cross-bearing, sin-bearing rescuer. And from the get-go, our job is to treat them not like they're little angels that need you to treat them as sinless gods, but they need you, beloved, to teach them that they need to be saved. They need Jesus. And, man, you know what? Let me tell you something. This is so great. This is so great because it, it frees me, man. I feel like we spend so much of our time trying to be fake about our families, don't we? Facebook is the most, can I, can I be honest? Facebook makes you want to throw up because everyone is trying to present their families to be these amazing, wonderful things, and they're not. We have one thing in common. Your pastor is no exception. Our families are jacked up. Our kids are jacked up. And we don't have to walk around using our kids and pretending and, and, and to, to act like they're okay and we're okay because baptism to our kids or circumcision to our kids sells us very clearly that they are sinners like us who need to be rescued, and they need to place their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need to spend all of our time acting like we're the beavers, who, by the way, also were wretched sinners who need to be saved by Jesus, because it tells us, beloved, that our kids are guilty people who need salvation, beloved. And that means that our, what's most important for our kids is not, it's not to get education, Look, education's great. It's not to get a lot of laws and advice. What's most important for your kids is that they would place themselves in the shadow of Christ 
as their hope in their sinfulness, where they would say, Jesus Christ is my hope. doesn't matter how educated a kid is. doesn't matter how smart they are. doesn't matter how much law they have, how much you teach them. If they don't place themselves in the canopy and shadow of God's graces in Christ, there is no hope for them. So baptism to a child shows what is very clear, that they are guilty sinners. Fifth, sixthly, it sets a tone for parenting and discipleship in the church. Sets a tone for parenting and discipleship in the church, which is the gospel. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's just another way of saying bring them up in the things about God's gospel. Okay? So, God commands our kids to be discipled in New Testament letters to the New Testament church because they are what? I'm not, not, you know, the, I don't know, maybe I'm 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 not thinking too much about this, but Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and then he begins to address the kids at Ephesus, meaning that the kids of believers were seen to be a part of the visible church at Ephesus. So anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. So, so why, why, is it, why is it that God, in the Old Testament, the sign of God's promises was circumcision? In the New Testament, the sign of God's promises is baptism. Why does God initiate parenting with the sign of the gospel? Think, I'm going to ask you the question one more time. Why does God initiate parenting with a sign of the gospel? Why not a sign that represents the example of Christ? Why not a sign that represented the law of Christ? Why not a sign that pointed to, I don't know, the miracles of Christ? Why does parenting start off with a sign that points to the gospel, because, beloved, to be a parent means that your primary task is to give your kids the gospel. That means, beloved, your task primarily as a parent is not to make your kids have good manners so they make you look good. Your task as a parent is not for them to primarily keep your rules, the rules of the house. As long as you keep the rules of the house, you'll be all right here. Your primary task is not even to teach them the laws of God, though you need to. The primary task of a parent is to show their kids with their mouth and the way they live a life of faith that their only hope to live a Christian life is to put all of their trust in the life of Christ for sinners, the death of Christ for sinners, the resurrection of Christ for sinners, and now his ascension in glory as our priest for sinners. Your job as a parent is to gospelize your kids all the time. You say, why do you say that? Because God initiates parenting in the context of the church with what? A sign of the gospel. Beloved, let me tell you something. We are Christians, and what we tell our kids, they need to be saved, but we raise our kids like we're Muslims. Right? What, what, is, what, is, what, what is the hope of a Muslim? Just keep the law. Just do right. Just be good. So we tell our kids, hey, 
you can only go to heaven by Jesus. But then we spend all of our conversations and all of our counseling just telling our kids external standards while we don't tell them that they need to abide in Jesus Christ divine and his substitutionary death for their sins and his perfect life in their place as their only hope for every moment of their life. We raise our kids like we're a part of some other religion. Does that make sense? Beloved, our job is not to make a bunch of little us's who keep our rules. Our job is to teach our kids and live with our kids as if the work of Jesus Christ for sinners is their only confidence to live a life before God. Which is why God initiates parenting with the sign of the gospel and nothing else. So I have a few more points, like three or four more points. What, what, what does this matter? Here's another point. It clarifies the main reason why we have children in the church. Why, 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 why did God give me two, three kids? Woo, got three. One's in the, in, the, in the oven. Why did God give me kids? Let me read a Bible verse for you. I like to use a Bible. Uh, it's better than me telling you something. All right. You ask, Malachi 2.14. You ask, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have acted treacherously against her, though she was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. Didn't the one God make us with a remnant of his life breast? And what does the one seek? So what is, God hates divorce, and he's given one of the reasons why. What does the one seek? A godly offspring. You hear that? God hates divorce because his purpose in believers having kids was to be the means by which he would bring another generation of believers. That's God's declared purpose in Malachi 2.14. So, beloved, you ever think about this? Why did God not command in the Old Testament with the sign of circumcision before or in the New Testament the sign of baptism? Why did God not... God could have given you another sign for your kids, right? He could have, how about a trophy? How about you mark them with a trophy when they're born? How about a diploma, right? How about a sign of a job or how about a dollar bill? Mark them with a sign of that because that is the most defining thing, beloved. But beloved, God is saying is that the reason why this sign of salvation sets the pace for parenting visibly to you is to say, beloved, that the main reason why you have been given a kid is because God wants to save sinners through believing parents. Now, does it mean that all of them are going to be saved? No. We know that. But it doesn't mean it's not God's agenda. So let me break this down for you, parents. You don't have kids so you can just not be bored. That wasn't why God gave you kids. You know, they're entertaining and they keep you busy. You didn't have kids because you can have great get-togethers during Christmas. God didn't give you kids so that, well, they can get married someday and they can get a good job someday. God, God gave you kids, beloved, because 
he has chosen to bring sinners to faith in the context of believing homes. Like, that's just, it's not like, oh, I, I so happen to have a kid in my house, and I so happen to be a Christian. No. God is saying that that is the place where I have chosen to save. And it's about salvation, though we know all will not be saved. So, beloved, you're a tool to bring them to Christ that God has chosen to use. So let him use you and stop making all these excuses about how why God can't use you. And let me, let me give you uh, uh, two examples of what this looks like. So here's what it looks like. If, if God gave me kids so they can be saved, and that qualifies parenting, you know, what that, you know what that means, beloved? Let me give you two examples. When your kids do something really horrible, how do you typically respond? Come on, be honest. What do you do? See, don't do it. So the idea is like their hope is that their hope as a kid would be just by not doing it. But listen, if God gave us kids so they could be saved, how do I, the way I look at my kid who does something sinful is I say, son, when you sin, and you clobber your sister, what you need to do, what you need to do is run to Jesus and hide in his cross who made atonement for you and what you did for your sister. That's his hope. Not that he would not clobber his sister. Correct? Well, here's, here's another example. How about, uh, how about with, uh, you know, my, my, my daughter has, I guess, I, I'm, can, I, can I call my kids out? I don't know. I call Tanya's kids out. No, that's not cool. That's, not, that's a big no-no. So my daughter, uh, she uh, has a performance issue, and uh, Adonis oftentimes outperforms her, okay? And so what happens is she gets mad, and she clobbers him because he goes faster than her. How do I parent that situation in light of the fact that she needs to be saved? I tell her, you shouldn't clobber your brother. You should just be content. No. So, hey, Abriello, Jesus performed perfectly for you 2,000 years ago as a man. And he gives you credit for his performance. And so now you don't need to feel good about yourself because you outperform your brother. You can feel good about yourself because Jesus, your older brother, performed for you and gave you credit for his performance. That's how we parent our kids that they need to be saved. And not just, don't clobber your sister, be humble. You see how follow me? So, all right, I got a few more, few more points. It shows what the hope of parents is, God's commitments. It shows what the hope of parents is, God's commitments. Acts 39 says this. For this promise is for you and your children and those who are far off. So this, this is a problem. Most of us come from broken homes in some way. And, we, and when we become parents, we have what I call the proverbial parent chip on your shoulder. You know what the parent chip on your shoulder is? 
you will never parent like your parents. You see all those people out there? Sorry, parents. I'm never going to be like that. And so you have this chip on your shoulder, and you're going to save yourself by being the greatest parent ever. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, man. Just just feel the uncomfortableness with me. (laughs) But, beloved, if you have to give your kids a sign of God's unconditional promises, then what does that tell you your hope as a parent? Your hope as a parent is not that you're going to be a really great parent. Your hope as a parent is that Jesus Christ is faithful to broken parents all the time. And that he will be faithful to your broken kids all the time. So in our house, it shouldn't be I, 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 or you, you, you. It should be he, he, he is our hope. Yeah, amen. He's, he's hallelujah over there. You know what this looks like, beloved? That, that, that my kids have been marked by a son of God's promises. Oh, man, it's so great. I don't have to save myself by parenting and have all this guilt and anger and manipulation. Why? Because the sign of God's the baptism says that God's promises to his sinful people and sinful parents and sinful kids is the hope for the family. Yes, I am free. To love my kids and not use them as a means to save me through good parenting. And I don't need to make baby dedications to be this big pressure of how phenomenal parents we will be to these kids. No, no, no. We talk about being a parent and then being dedicated by a sign of God's promises to show that what is most important in this dedication, what's most important in this situation is that God promises to be faithful to people who break his promises all the time. That's what it means. Uh, and I had another, another, another thing. Love it. You, know, you know how this, cha- I feel like I can preach so long about this, so I need to move on. But how do, we, how do we tend to think what a good parent is? A good parent is someone who just does good things all the time. But if parenting is about showing your kids that their hope is in Christ being faithful to them, you know what good parenting looks like? It looks like you being the first person who repents in your house for your sins and say, I need Jesus. What does it mean to be a faithful parent? It means that you are the first person and the last person in the house telling your kids and your husband or your wife, I need Jesus. I sin. I have a Savior who died for my sins, and I now renounce that I have any hope in me, and now I place all of my hope in Jesus Christ. That is what it means to parents. Not to walk around here like some pretend phony Jesus who doesn't need to repent and turn to Christ. But I, I, feel, like, I, I feel like some Sundays or some, not some, Sundays, some weeks, I feel like all I do is tell my kids I'm sorry for being a bad parent. And you know what that is? That's being a good parent. Why? Because you're telling them that the hope of my dad and my mom is that somebody else is their hope and not them being a good parent. 
sounds all counter, countercultural, but it's Bible culture. Where we mark our kids with a sign of God's promises from the beginning to show that the hope of this family is a faithful God who's faithful to sinful wretches like us. And you know what? Parenting actually can be, it becomes fun. To me, it becomes fun. I don't have this pressure that I need to be this superstar. No, I, I am. A, I, we are all messy kids with messy kids who have a faithful God who embraces and keeps and saves and cleanses and covers messy people. Man, parenting becomes fun. Because we're going to live this phony life in front of everybody about this reality that doesn't exist. I can actually be honest. I can be real. I can laugh at the dinner table a lot more than I used to. Because God has set the pace and tone in the home by marking those coming into our homes with a sign of God's promises. So, man, all right. I got, I, got, I, got, I got 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes. All right, let's go. It clarifies local church and family. What is the local church's place in family? It means that the local church's place in a family is very central. So why, why, beloved, why did God command his, his people to mark their kids with a sign of church membership? Why not anything else? Because, beloved, the most important thing in a child's life is the local church. You say, I don't agree. So why did God command for the sign of the local church to be administered to kids if it's not the most important thing? Let me, let me say this to you very honestly. The most important thing about your kids is not that they're your kids. The most important, your family is not the most important thing for your kids. You know what's the most important thing for your kids? It's God's family that you're a part of. And this is so hard for us, because you know what happens to us? And I, I love you. This is why I, need, I talk to you. We make, we, make the, we make the church about our family. Everything revolves around our family, our kids, our activities, our things. And so God's family revolves around our family. And God's like, no, your family revolves around my family. I own your kids. They're my kids. And the reason I'm marking them as my kids, you better realize that you better raise these kids like my family is the most important thing. Because it is, beloved. Because the family of Christ is what? It's a place where Jesus' grace is made known through his people by the Holy Spirit and the gospel. So, man, when he marks our kids with a sign of the local church family, God is saying very clearly to us that the most important thing about your kids and what the universe needs to revolve around is not your family, but God's family. It's very quiet in here. I love you. I love you, beloved. The best thing you can do for your kids is to immerse them into the place where God's grace has chosen to work. Let me, let me, let me give a really practical illustration of this. If your kids never went to school one day of their lives, 
if they never made more than $8 an hour their whole lives, if they never own a house or even rent a house, if they never do anything important in school or have any important job, your parenting would be a success and an amen in God's kingdom if you raise them as if God's family and God's thing is the most important thing and you immerse them in the places where God's things are made known. Your parenting would be amen in God's kingdom. And on the flip side, if your kids become really smart, have really good jobs, have really good lifestyles, have really good marriages, and you have not immersed them into living about God's family, you have done absolutely nothing. You say, why do you talk like this, pastor? Because what did God tell us to mark our kids by? A sign of what? God's covenant community. That means that the most loving thing that we could do for our family is act like our families are not the center, but God's family, God's thing, God's purposes is the center. And oh man, when we do that, family becomes really fun. Because when family is the center, guess what? Family's Jesus. And when family is Jesus, how does that work out? How does it work out when people like us try to be Jesus? It don't work too well. <laughs> but when Jesus is Jesus and my family revolves around Jesus, oh, man, we have fun. Why? Because our hearts and our souls are being immersed with the loveliness of Christ and his church. And so we are beginning to enjoy one another more. Why? Because we're, we're not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And we're getting Jesus. Yeah, you got me? So it shows that the local church is central. So listen, beloved, let me tell you this very honestly. God's are, your kids are God's first, yours second. Your kids are God's first, yours second. So let's, in, in repentance and honesty, act like it. They're his first, your second, which is why he marks them and says, I will be a God to you and your offspring from the get-go. So I have two more points. Two more points. It clarifies what true privilege is. What is true privilege in light of this ritual? The means of grace. The means of grace means the places where God's grace is made known to his church. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance amongst the saints. So the church community is this place where all these really great things are and like there are nowhere else. So listen. Um, God is saying by marking our kids with a sign of God's promises in the context of God's community, he's saying that the, the highest privilege that your kids could have is the fact that they've been born into a believing home which is part of the visible church you know what that means beloved your kids are not most mostly privileged because of the neighbor they're, they're born into they're not mostly privileged because of how much money you make as a family they're not mostly privileged because of what kind of house you live in they're not mostly privileged because of how smart you are as parents. They're not even most, you know, a lot of us feel like, man, my family is just a wreck. 
and my kids are being born into this family path. That's not even the highest privilege. You know what the highest privilege for your kids is? It's they've been born into a family that's a part of a bigger family where Jesus saving grace to broken people is being made known to them. This means that you, your kids are privileged not because of all those things, but they're privileged why? Because they're a part of this thing where Jesus' grace is being made known to them over and over and over. Do you understand that, beloved? This means we got to stop breaking our necks, trying to give our kids. Look, I'm not saying these things are wrong. I'm just trying to give you priority. Stop breaking our necks like all these lesser privileges are what we need to basically kill ourselves for. And realize, beloved, that the best thing that you can give your kids as privilege is to immerse them in this Jesus Christ for us, grace for us, Christ for us thing. This is what true privilege is, beloved. Say, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know, like, I don't know. My, my kids will probably have to go to, go to Miami-Dade. So what? Oh, you know. You know, my, my kids, I can't post things about my kids that other people are jealous about. So what? Beloved, if your kids are a part of this Jesus church thing and they've been born into, they are the most privileged people on the face of the planet. <laughs> and the people that have the greatest other privileges that don't have this Jesus and us thing as a part of your childhood... That's not privilege, beloved. True privilege is being initiated into God's visible church from the get-go, not all these other things that we're killing ourselves for. So, beloved, you don't need to be sad because you're not a smart mom, you're not a smart dad, you have a working-class job, or because you live in a neighborhood that people don't want to live in. You don't need to feel ashamed, beloved. You have dignity and honor because you have the gospel of Christ in the context of his church and your kids are in this thing. There's nothing to be ashamed about. Miami people, we got, somos complejados. Everyone wants to, the the next place, the next neighborhood, oh, I got to go to Georgia where people are great. And it's like this thing that we're we're just something wrong in us and we got to have some physical external thing. But what God is saying to you, beloved, is you're privileged. Your families are highly privileged and you have nothing to be ashamed about because the greatest privilege that can be bestowed on a family is that Jesus Christ and his people are around those kids when they're born. This is true privilege. Own it. Act like it. Walk around like a crazy person who's really excited about things that people don't even get. Why are you so excited? Because my kids have been brought into this thing from day one. And they're going to be immersed with Jesus their whole lives until God decides to make that real to them personally in his time. So last point. Last point. I Oh. All right, 46 minutes. Man, can't do it. I need like a, like a, like a shocker, you know. It shows the special place that God has chosen to work. 
signs to our kids, either in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it shows a special place where God has chosen to work. So Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father, which, your father and mother, which is the first command, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and you have long life in the land. So listen, I think in America, uh, there's, on, there's only one view of what the church is. So the church is an institution where we go out to find lost people, and then when they get saved, they come into the church. That's kind of like the only view that we have. We, are, we have a mission field of unbelieving people, and we're bringing the gospel to them. They're getting saved, and then we're bringing them in the church. And that's the one view we have. But, beloved, the church is not just a place that seeks to preach the gospel to people, then get saved, and they become members. The church is also a place where God saves people from within the membership. Meaning that some of us were outside and were brought in. Other of us were brought in and from within, from within the visible church community, God called us to faith. The church is not just a place where we seek to reach out and bring them in. The church is a place for from within the membership, people are saved. So, beloved, listen. It's not an accident that believers have kids. So a lot of times people say, well, unbelieving kids are the same as every other kid. No, they're not. God has said very clearly throughout Scripture that he has decided to use believing homes and the church community to be the place where God brings people to salvation sovereignly. It's not an accident that you have kids as a parent's. Which is why God always had these visible signs marking the place where God has chosen to work uniquely. So listen, you have biblical reason not to think, oh, oh, my kids must be saved. But you have biblical reason to believe that the coming generation attached to believers is a place where God uniquely works when he chooses to. So it gives you confidence to be very diligent in discipling and whatnot because the church is not just a place where people are saved and come in. It's a place where people are in and they get saved as they're in. Does that make sense? It's both and, not either or. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do communion um, and we're going to we're going to celebrate this. We're going to administer the signs of God's promises to believers and their children with uh, our kids. Actually, my son uh, and Joshua. But I want to do communion first. So let me, just, let me just pray for communion and give instructions. We do communion every Sunday here because we believe that communion shows us the work of Christ. It demonstrates the work of Christ to us. And we need Jesus very much. So we like to see the things that point Jesus us to Jesus very much. So the way we do it is we take bread and we dip it, and then we take at our own time. Uh, the, the, the taller glass is wine. The smaller glass is grape juice. So after I pray uh, and the song goes on, you can come up. This is for believers who have placed their faith in Christ. It's not an empty ritual that we just kind of do in church. 
Uh, you come up at your own time and you dip and receive. So let me just pray for the Lord's table and we'll sing our last songs and then we'll bring the kids up after. Heavenly Father, I am sure that after hearing this message, uh, a lot of us may be convicted of our sinfulness as parents. Lord, this table is a reminder that your blood that kept all the standards of your law, you died for our law breaking, you lived for our righteousness. All that you have done that is made visible on this table is enough for us failing parents who just constantly live like our kids are not really in this thing and all that it means, Lord. We raise our kids like legalists and we say we're saved by grace. Father, I pray that right now that this table will be a place of nourishing and refreshment where parents are reminded that it's their sin in parenting is not the biggest thing. But Jesus' sin bearing death is the biggest thing. And so, God, I pray that we'll be refreshed and encouraged. And for all, all, all of us, Lord God, who maybe aren't sinning as parents, but we're sinning just as sinners, Lord God, I pray that they would right now receive your fatherly loving kindness in and through the broken body of Jesus Christ where everything ugly about us was put away and everything beautiful about Christ was covered on us. Lord, I pray that all of us right now would think very specifically about our actual sinfulness and that we would approach this table in faith and repentance and receiving anew God's cleansing grace where he tells us, God tells us in this table that he's our father, he loves us, he's for us, not because of us, but for Christ's sake. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes our message, and we hope that you were inspired by it. If you'd like to hear more about the gospel or find out more about Reconciled Church Miami, please connect with us using one of the ways listed on our website, reconcilechurchmiami.org.